Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to yet another episode of the BTP Podcast. I'm here, as always, with Daniel Mulligan. How's it going, buddy? What's up, man, buddy? Glad to be here with you. Uh, pretty happy and excited to be here for yet another Let's Talk edition of Beyond the Present Podcast. Life is great. We are gradually approaching the summer, which, as many know, is thought to be our first getaway from all of this madness called the COVID pandemic. So, Pretty happy and excited because, as you probably know, I am the kind of person who is pretty much always uh, on the move. And having seen uh, our lifestyles change over the past year or so has obviously made me even more uh, hopeful about what's about to occur in the near future. So life is pretty good on all fronts. We're happy about the pace at which uh, most of the world is being vaccinated. Although, quite frankly, I am a little bit disappointed by the European Union. Things are much better. I mean, the U.S. started off as way back, uh, but after uh, President Biden uh, took, uh, took the office, uh, fortunately, things have gotten a lot better. And now we are hearing that hopefully by July, the U.S. will be pretty much fully vaccinated. The, the stories are also pretty good in many other countries. Uh, let's say, in, uh, for example, in Russia, I heard they're going to open up pretty soon because as you probably know, it's pretty active there. Middle East is doing pretty well so far, uh, apart from a few countries. And the only problem that I have right now is the pace, the slow pace, which Europe is actually moving forward. And it's quite ironic because I remember Germany was thought to be one of the best countries in the world in terms of the way they handled the, the pandemic. Mm. And that was one of the least efficient. I have no idea why and how, how it mm. all changed. But uh, generally speaking, Europe is probably going to be a little bit behind. Uh, but for now, the world as a whole is moving forward. I don't know about how things are in Canada, by the way. So would you tell me how things are and when you guys yeah. uh, predict things to go back to normal? Yeah, no, unfortunately, it's not going that well here either. Uh, it's maybe similar to the European Union. I'm not too sure how they're doing, but maybe even worse, because the problem is Canada does not have production of vaccines within its country. So it has to get from oh. others. And uh, given what it is, it's been proving difficult. And also not, not just politically difficult, but also uh, very uh, transportation, apparently, of this vaccine is very very difficult because of this especially uh, the uh, you know the western vaccines yes Pfizer, the temperature I guess. yes I mean, yeah exactly my moderna so yeah now what what is the current uh, statistics in uh, canada by the way in terms of those who've been already vaccinated the numbers i mean are, um, is it actually going down or is it still going up uh like numbers uh, so it, it's the infections and deaths of course yes oh no infections are good they're not that bad they're uh, the the combination of social distancing some restrictions and the vaccines are uh, helping a bit, so the, the 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 infections at least within Ontario uh, are not really that bad. They're like less than a thousand per day for the and entire. And how province. is your lifestyle generally? Because uh, now gradually we're seeing you know places getting opened, and yeah. uh, people are gradually going back to their regular life. Are you guys still under a lockdown, or life is kind of back to normal? So it's not a lockdown right now in Toronto or um, rest of Ontario, but they're they have created this tiering system that depending on. The statistics, they're going to put it in different color coded. So, uh, quote unquote. So, uh, wh what, what does that mean is that if numbers go higher, they have certain, so uh, like 20% capacity, 50% capacity indoors, outdoors, like these kinds of restrictions uh, vary depending on the numbers across population. Um, so, but, but generally speaking, for, for me personally, it didn't uh, create a huge difference. But, but I'm thinking, um, uh, for the months to come, going to summer, similar to last year when uh, it was um, more outdoor activities started, but because of the nature of this virus uh, itself, probably things are going to open up even regardless of the vaccine. Uh, 
And hopefully the vaccine, if, if it I picks so. up, uh, then going back to the fall on the other end of the summer, uh, it should also hopefully not be a problem. Uh, but we will see. Yeah. I see. Well, personally, I have already planned uh, all of my trips. I, I am not going to spend uh, basically the next summer like the last one. I do want right. to hit a couple of countries. So definitely we're going to get started oh, regardless. Nice. But uh, let's hope that this thing is going to get better, although we are all hopeful and we know that this year is going to make sure. it a lot better. Although then again, uh, the pace at which the vaccination is being uh, basically done in most countries, unfortunately, mm -hmm. outside of those nations where they manufacture. So right now, uh, one, uh, in terms of the way nations have handled uh, this, so far, some of the uh, best nations in terms of the uh, pace at which they're actually vaccinating is indeed Russia and the United States, because these two nations have their own vaccines manufactured. Mm -hmm. China is also quite close, although these guys beat the pandemic long uh, ago without even having the vaccines. But Generally, when you look at the nations that are manufacturing their own vaccines, the United States, Russia, and China, you see that they are way ahead of the rest of the world. We need to actually import those vaccines. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. And that, that says a lot, I guess. There's, a, there's an inherent value in being able to produce the stuff that you need, especially especially the essential ones, uh, you know, like uh, the PPEs, I don't know, uh, the uh, masks and whatnot, and obviously vaccines. Exactly drugs and stuff because yeah when the world is good and dandy everybody's happy to help everybody but when it comes when push Absolutely. comes to shove you know you you always come first right so that's that's part of it exactly anyway so true, so, so true. right our, our actually our topic is not too far from this subject and it's not the same so we're, we're talking about um uh we're how many months like th almost three months two and a half past Biden's uh, inauguration and uh, the new administration in the United States. That's right. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. two, two and a half months? Well, it's not about three months, of course, three because months, yeah. the inauguration was on January 21st. So, so two and a half. That's right. But in terms of the election, yes, actually more than that. But yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, but since he took office and uh, well, obviously with any new administration uh, comes new you know, policies within the country and foreign, um, which is going to affect obviously the entire world as it did when we moved from Obama to <laughs> Trump. Uh, and, and it was a drastic one. And I, was, I, I suppose this one could have, we could have anticipated that it would have drastic, uh, you know, effects on uh, entire uh, world. Now, my question is from what you have observed, and this is the topic today, obviously. Uh, my question is from what you have observed from the past couple of months or so, uh, where do you see this administration going and what its it priorities are and how does that affect the, uh, our, our, uh, the other countries in the world? Very good uh, question. First of all, we should consider the fact that Biden does not equal Obama. That's a huge sure. misconception that is nowadays quite common. Uh, even from the very beginning, people thought, OK, Biden means Obama 2.0. No, President Biden does not have the exact same approach towards uh, leadership. Uh, as uh, President Obama did, because while they are from the same party and while they even have worked together in the same administration, uh, President Biden is thought to be a middle left, not a uh, far left. And that, of course, is going to lead to uh, a variety of different approaches uh, that he will can, you know, control and manage the country. You see, being a left or a Democrat does not necessarily mean that you will all follow the same guidelines or the same approach towards policies in all areas of basically uh, governance. Rather, what it really entails is that you have the same background and the same goals in the end. Mm -hmm. So for that reason, 
the first issue that we have to take into consideration is the fact that Mr. Biden is not going to lead the nation exactly the way uh, President Obama did, because the times basically have changed, and that requires a new approach towards all forms of strategy. The world in which President Obama uh, led the you know the United States and the world was somehow very different than uh, what, what we are seeing today, and uh, especially after what Trump did. A lot of the U.S. alliances have now been severely damaged. So, uh, along with the U.S. reputation as well, uh, to some degree, to, to some degree, and that of course is going to cause further problems and complications. But from my point of view, if you want to look at President Biden's approach, think of someone who is definitely not a Republican, but is also not a far left, far Democrat. So, uh, for that reason, you can uh, guess someone who is tough, but not crazy like Republicans, but at the same time not necessarily all left and all, okay, no problem. We're gonna make deals with everybody, no problem whatsoever. So because of that, uh, we can see uh, the US keeping certain uh, approaches that were initiated by uh, the Trump administration in place while adding new stuff. So th these are not gonna be uh, basically diametrically opposite. Rather, it, it, there's gonna be some major differences in the way the policy is there because obviously we're talking about like Republicans versus Democrats, but in terms of the actual direction, it's not gonna be like a complete opposite. So many uh, initiatives like, uh, you know, Made in America, for example, are gonna continue whether it's uh, Biden or Trump because that's part of the, you know, the, the system. So uh, since today we're talking mainly about the international community and how the Biden presidency affects the international media, of course, there's gonna be a lot of differences. Now, if you probably follow the news, you, you uh, basically have heard about Trump making an appearance recently in uh, a Republican convention saying, did you guys miss me? Oh, I'm sure you did. So <laughs> for that reason, uh, we can imagine uh, right now what's happening in that people are a little bit concerned whether Trump is gonna actually come back and run again and so on. but. Uh, right now, many of those initiatives are still in place and are not going to be changed that much. However, uh, what we can see, again, uh, to uh, quote Trump himself, is that in a simple one month, we went from America first to America last. So what, <laughs> what this really actually means is, is that America is back in the global stage. So what the previous administration wanted to have for the world was to make policies solely in a way that benefits, uh, especially those who are on the you know Republican side, so those uh, who are necessarily not concerned about the long-term U.S. Uh, influence, but now the U.S. of course would like to take things back in a way that uh, it was during the Obama administration. So uh, revitalizing the U.S. alliances, the European uh, Union, for example, uh, empowering NATO, returning and rejoining the Paris Agreement, and more importantly, healing a lot of the wounded uh, relationships, and also taking a certain relationships that were favored for Trump, like those of uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, a bit, you know, a little bit differently to see if things are necessarily reliable uh, in that regard or not. And we're now seeing things like stopping uh, the sales of weapons and uh, aircrafts to Saudi Arabia. So basically when it comes to foreign policy, we're gonna see some dramatic changes uh, by the Biden administration, but that does not mean everything's gonna change overnight. Because as you probably know, in the world of international politics, uh, there is no such thing as rapid change that cannot uh, basically uh, lead to some sort of conflict. For that reason, all the changes that will occur in the Biden administration will be slow ones. We cannot undo the damage of four years of complete, uh, basically, uh, ignorance when it comes to foreign policy. 
uh, in over, I don't know, a couple of months. So what we can predict uh, from the United States in the near future is to follow on the same path as that of Obama, but with very different, unique strategies. So the Paris Agreement uh, was signed on the first day of basically office, but that doesn't mean that those regulations will necessarily uh, go in place immediately on day one. They are going to require a lot of time. The other, of course, major approach was about the trade agreements with the United States and Canada and Mexico, NAFTA. And that is, of course, right now revitalized as well. So all of these rejoining these agreements, that doesn't mean that the world has already changed. It simply mm -hmm. means we are on the path towards recovery from all the damage done. Now, the other key issues for the Biden administration when it comes to foreign policy is dealing with the threat of Russia. As you probably know, Russia is, uh, for the you know, democratic uh, basically uh, uh, side, is thought to be the most important and serious threat. So we're gonna have to see how uh, the United States deals with Russia, but mainly through targeted, uh, basically, sanctions, not for the economy as a whole, but targeted individuals to make sure that you know the economy does not suffer so much. And that's the major difference between sanctioning strategies of uh, the Biden administration versus Trump. So when Trump wants to, for example, sanction a country, they will sanction the whole economy, which is going to affect the entire you know, economy. A great example was uh, Trump's leaving the nuclear deal with Iran. So that itself was a great example of how they actually crushed the whole economy. Now, what President Biden right now is doing with Russia is trying to actually uh, maintain the economy stable, but target these sanctions in a way that sends a message that you know, the United States is not going to perhaps tolerate certain Russian you know, aggressions or saying things like, uh, the U.S. will never recognize Crimea as a part of Russia is one of those other examples. So uh, you can uh, even like recently uh, in one of his first military uh, basically campaigns, Biden targeted certain uh, basically uh, Iran backed uh, basically bases in Syria. Now, they could have actually done something like that in Iraq directly, but they avoided that. So what this implies is that the Biden administration does not want serious confrontation the way Trump did. Instead, uh, they are also not going to be like uh, extreme left and back off and say, you know what? OK, you whatever you want. I just want to talk. So they are also going to show some strength. That's the thing that got him elected, because in the primaries, Biden said, I am not a you know, uh, radical left, if you will. I am basically a middle left. So, so a lot of his initiatives are going to involve certain strength, but not the way Trump did, of course. Right. So for that reason, the first and most important impact of Biden administration on global politics is understanding the fact that the U.S. is willing to uh, strengthen the relationship with uh, the allies. At the same time, uh, they are willing to negotiate better instead of just fighting with the adversaries, basically, that the United States currently has. And as of now, uh, when it comes to the, the, uh, you know, the whole global politics, there are a few nations that are of particular uh, concern for the United States, uh, namely Russia, uh, North Korea, Iran, Syria, and uh, to some extent, what is happening in Yemen with Saudi Arabia. Outside of that, basically, the United States is also quite concerned with dealing with the, th you know, the problems uh, that are currently facing Europe by mainly trying to uh, strengthen NATO uh, in order to face the threat of Russia. But at the same time, the trade agreements, a lot of which Trump imposed uh, on certain nations should be removed. The bans of, let's say, tariffs and imports, all of those. But the, the fact of the matter is, this is all gonna take time. So we are gonna be seeing a lot of changes. But if you're waiting for those changes to occur overnight or in the first few months, 
the chances are you're a little bit too hopeful about it because I predict the, you know, all these changes to really start kicking in uh, right after the pandemic is uh, basically uh, many months over because by then, hopefully, the Biden administration is going to actually change uh, a lot of these policies and make sure they're actually implemented. So uh, that is uh, the major factor that we're currently seeing occurring. Okay, and that, that was very elaborate. Now I have a, a couple of questions that are more, um, you know, fantasizing and just daydreaming and talking about these stuff because wow. they're way out. And that is, uh, <laughs> well, it, not, not in that romantic sense, but- I mean, we all so, love daydreaming, man. We all do that <laughs> all the time. <laughs> right, so in four years from now, do you see Trump running for presidency? Well, actually, it was officially announced that he is interested and he actually showed yeah. his interest, although not officially declared. But yeah. uh, the fact of the matter is, as you probably know, the Republican Party currently is putting a lot of value in Donald Trump because of his popularity. Mm. Uh, there simply cannot be any other candidate who can reach the same level of support, especially among the hardcore Republicans. You see, the United States of America is highly divided right now. And it is uh, this major segregation is uh, between uh, the, the fluid type and the more uh, basically uh, rigid type, if you will. Now, if you want to learn more about this, I recommend you a great book called Prius or Pickup, which talks a lot about this major divide in the American society among the left and the right. But the fact of the matter is that the party that represents Donald Trump has supporters primarily made of what we call the rigid type. Oftentimes suburban, not highly educated, usually more concerned uh, basically with uh, uh, general uh, basically and tradition and uh, religion. And at the same time, highly suspicious of basically the outside world because most of these communities generally do not have a high level of trust towards the outsiders, whether it's immigrants, whether it's the foreign countries, and this is a specific mindset that is unfortunately quite prevalent today in the American society, made primarily from a conservative background, highly religious, highly suspicious of anything that is not traditionally thought to be American, and more importantly, generally less uh, basically uh, suburban and uh, more uh, rural, if you will, most of whom are all Trump supporters. I mean, how many times have you uh, moved around and saw a truck driver with a Make America Great cap driving his pickup truck. I mean, that's a very, very common thing, especially in rural areas. So Donald Trump is almost like a god. He's even like almost worshipped by a lot of these people and thought to be some sort of messiah who's bringing, uh, you know, peace and order. Whereas he says, the law and order, we have it all, the law and order and all those things. So for that reason, I really believe that this is definitely going to make a huge difference. Uh, and for that reason, it is likely for him to run again. Although having lost his access to social media, could seriously impede his progress. But then again, he could run again. Now, will I say that he will run again necessarily in the near future? I don't think that that's uh, to be guaranteed as of now. However, it is a very likely that he could run again, although it's not necessarily gonna mean that he will win again, because as you probably know, there's a great book about this, The Key to the White House, uh, basically. And in this book, it is talk uh, about what it really takes to change an administration uh, while the president is an incumbent. So even if Trump runs again, he can't, no matter how much his followers love him, and even if he runs again and he tries to say, yeah, guys, I'm back for making America great again, and all those things, in the end, it's almost impossible 
for an administration to lose its uh, power and make, uh, basically in between two uh, terms, unless there is what we call a political earthquake. This is what uh, Professor Lichtman talked about in his book, The to the White House. So whether Trump runs, people should not be concerned about who is gonna run again, Trump or not, because that is not a very important factor. Because if Trump runs again, but President Biden's decisions, both at home and uh, basically internationally, will lead to uh, basically a situation where a political earthquake is avoided. So perhaps there isn't a major economic downturn or there is no major international conflict, let's say with the adversaries. So it all really, now the ball is in Biden's courts and it really doesn't matter who is gonna run again on the Republican uh, side, so long as President Biden avoids a political earthquake. Because for Trump, we saw major such earthquakes. I mean, his international deals and then at home, the Black Lives Matters, racism, he caused a major tsunami, not an earthquake, but a tsunami, political tsunami, right? Uh, but for those who are listening who want to know more about this, check out the book, uh, The Keys to the White House. There are 13 keys, by the way. And for a, uh, you know, a candidate to oust, basically, an incumbent president uh, out of the White House, that requires him to win at least six of those keys and cause a political earthquake. As of now, it's too early to say whether this is going to happen. But I can tell you this, that the odds of President Biden with his moderate approach neither extreme left, because you know, Trump went extreme right. When you move towards any extremes, the chance of any earthquake, whether it's in a relationship or in politics, goes higher. But since President Biden has already declared himself to be a moderate uh, Democrat, I highly suspect any major political earthquake to happen. And, and even if President Biden does have certain plans for, uh, you know, taking some extreme left approach, I'm pretty sure, just like previous Democrats, he's going to be smart enough to keep those things for his second term, not the first. Right. That's what Trump did wrong. He went all extreme right away. He went all in from the very beginning, and that cost him the election, right? So for the next election, I highly uh, doubt that President Biden is going to uh, cause a political earthquake, if you will. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, it could be Trump. It could be Trump's uh, Trump Jr., it could be Trump's grandson. It could be anybody. I hope not Ted, uh, Ted Cruz because I really don't like his facial hair. It's just super weird. Uh, but ultimately, it could be anyone. But uh, if President Biden does not uh, basically lose that momentum, there's no chance Trump can win again. Even if mm. all of his voters, uh, basically, and supporters vote again, he could still lose unless Biden. So basically, this election proves that uh, basically Biden's going to win again unless Biden really mess up. So it's, it has nothing to do with Trump. If you really want to uh, be concerned about the future of America and the world, be concerned about what Biden is doing and do not concern mm -hmm. yourself so much with what Trump has in store. He says, oh, I'll be back. I'll be back again. <laughs> That's just a bunch of you know media because the guy loves the attention, right? But in reality, it's not about Trump whatsoever. It's about what mm -hmm. President Biden does. If he avoids uh, any major uh, political earthquake, if you will, He's got his uh, next four years right after that. Uh, there's a natural question, given his age, whether he would want to continue that. Next well, year. that's another story. People are talking right. a lot about that as well. Uh, yeah. Whether we, uh, the United States is ready to have its first female president. I personally think that the U.S. Uh, currently is not at this very stage is not ready, but hopefully in the coming years, 
hopefully the U.S. will be ready also to have uh, basically its fe first female president, because as you probably know, the U.S. is highly divided right now. And among the traditional uh, basic conservative communities in the U.S., which are, by the way, everywhere, uh, they do not have that approach. They are very patriarchal in nature. They don't believe that a woman could be an, on top of the uh, everything. It's like a very traditional, old-fashioned, if you will. So uh, for that, we need a little bit more time. But then again, probably there's no better time to get started than the, basically 2024. We'll see about that. But until then, we have to keep our eyes uh, fixed on uh, President Biden and just watch Trump for, you know, its own sense of fun. I mean, he, the guys are, you know, showmen. That's, that's it's really good. fun yeah. to look at this guy. He's funny. I mean, like, I cannot imagine a single time I watched his speech and didn't laugh at some point because oh, the yeah, guy's he, entertaining, man. Like, the like guy's really entertaining. <laughs> he, he definitely is. I mean, the guy was a reality TV star, right? Wow. I mean, he knows how to entertain his audience. But the problem is global politics and international politics is not a goddamn reality TV. We need a yes. real president uh, like President Biden, not a reality TV president like Donald Trump. Yeah, well, that, uh, amen. Amen to that. <laughs> All right. Uh, that was that was a great, great talk. And I think we covered a lot. Uh, we co covered uh, more than I thought we would. So thank you for that. My pleasure. And I, don't, I don't know if you we left anything you want to wrap up or we could. Well, first of all, great topic. And I would like to wish and uh, hope all our listeners, because uh, we're going through a very tough time. I'd like to wish them, you know, peace of mind. But please do know that a lot of the policies uh, that uh, Trump administration uh, basically had earlier was what led to the current situation. But fortunately, hope is uh, really uh, inside and we can actually see some light the end of the tunnel. Uh, but more importantly, today we talk about President Biden's influence globally. And we mentioned that uh, based on what Trump said, we've gone from America first to America last. But the fact of the matter is what has really happened is that America is now open again to the world. So this is going to make uh, some major differences because the United States has a very special role in mm -hmm. controlling uh, basically uh, this uh, situation all over the world because of the influence that the country has, right? And that will make us uh, very uh, hopeful. However, people should not uh, think of Biden uh, administration as you know miracle workers because uh, the world of politics is very complicated and changes mm -hmm. rarely occur. I mean, you can damage things very quickly as Trump did. It's kind of like in like a building. You can demolish an entire building that took you years to make it you know, with one detonation but you cannot build it also with one detonation, right? So for that reason, while the damage that Trump administration caused on the global community was huge and rapid, uh, basically, uh, healing uh, the, the alliances and bringing back order to the world is gonna take a lot longer. Same way you have to spend a lot more time to build and construct than it does to destroy. So for that reason, we should be hopeful and know mm -hmm. that this change is gonna take a while, but in the end, hope is hopefully uh, in sight. And there is light into the tunnel, basically. That's great to know. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dan, for joining us as always. My pleasure, my man. Loved it. All right. And thank you all for uh, tuning in, listening in. And if you have any comments, uh, questions, please ask us, leave comments. And if not, until a later episode, have a good one. Bye.